0: The Leap Foundation proudly presents The Meet the Mentor podcast with New York Times best-selling author, motivational speaker, and celebrity dentist Dr. Bill Dorfman. Nick Blayton is a real estate agent, but not just any real estate agent. He is the most successful real estate agent under 25 at the company he works at, which is Hilton and Highland. Um, He's only been there two years. We're going to talk about how he got into real estate and what he's doing to kind of become successful. But he's a top performing agent. He's closed 42.6 million in transactions in his first two years of being licensed. He's also sold more properties than any other agent under 25. His team sold 103 homes in the past year, totaling over $110 million in sales. Nick, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, So how'd you get into real estate?
1: It's a great question. Um, I actually, so to start a little before real estate, I used to sell makeup uh, door-to-door. So I was kind of, I I would show up um, to work and I'd bring a huge bag with me of like 20 bags of makeup and I I knew nothing about makeup. So it was a lot of like hair extensions and lip kits and stuff like that. And I would kind of show up in in public places and businesses like maybe like a, a restaurant and I would go person to person, to interrupt you while you're eating. Hey, man, sorry to bother you. Um, check this out, really quick. And you're like, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't wear makeup. And I'm like, Listen, I know you got a girlfriend. I know you got this. And uh, long story short, I ended up realizing that I was really good at sales, and I was becoming one of the top performing salespeople in the country for our for our company. And um, my uncle and aunt, who are a couple of my biggest kind of mentors, and I, I've seen these people come from kind of nothing, and they they grew up in apartments, and then. They got the condo and the house, and now they have the mansions and Ferraris, and they're, they're like a very good, um, just a good couple, also have been together since high school, so they're people I respect, just like good people, nice. not all about the money. And they told me, they said, Nick, if you're good at sales, why don't you sell something more expensive? Which was like a foreign concept to me, but it, it made a lot of sense. They're like, when you sell a bag of makeup, you get $8. When you sell a house, you can get 80000 or more. And, you know, it made sense. It's like everyone kind of works the same amount of hours, like 8, 12, 16, whatever it is. But you're not necessarily working 10 times as much hours to make 10 times as much money. So it's like, why not kind of think bigger, in a sense. And that's kind of where it all started. He introduced me to a a couple agents, and I met them. I kind of started shadowing them and doing whatever they asked me, whether it was setting up open house signs on the streets or... Handing out flyers or going door to door and whatever you know they kind of needed, and then they eventually hired me on a on a commission only basis where I was I'm essentially like lead generating. So I would be cold calling and I'd be knocking on doors. Hey, do you want to sell your house? And a hundred people a day. No, 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 no. And then finally, after about 11 months, I got my first sale. Um, it was for 1.8 million actually down the street over here in Hollywood Hills, and it just kind of took off from there for sure. So,
0: here's the thing. There's a lot of people in LA that like go into real estate. Kind of cuz like they can't find anything else that they want to do and they they get these big dollar signs in their eyes and they think they're, they're you know, just like you did. They think, well, I'll sell something that's really expensive and I'm going to make a lot of money. But it's a very very competitive market. What have you done that's kind of made you stand out and be more successful than like 90%
1: of the people that do it for a year or two and then quit. Yeah. And to add to your point, I think 87% of real estate agents or people that get their license never sell a single house. So you're right. It's kind of very low barrier of entry. Anyone can go and take the test and get their license, but to actually sell a house, I would say it takes a lot of, you need persistence, you need relationship management. Um, My team specifically, what we do, I think that that really sets us apart is our business model is focused on um, houses that didn't sell before. So we kind of are going after expired listings. We're going after frustrated sellers and people that they try to sell their house for six months or a year or longer, and they've tried with all these different agents and they, they couldn't sell it. So we kind of come in, we bring in stagers, designers, interior decorators, architectural photographers many times for free just as part of our service and offer kind of a white glove service. So it's kind of it's going to be the same house, same fish, right? But you kind of make it smell, taste, look a little different. See, so that's genius.
0: So basically what you guys are doing is you're creating a niche that you're specializing in, and that sets you apart. And you know, it doesn't even have to be real estate. Any business that you start, if you can do that, That's one of the the keys to success. When we started our whitening company, there were probably five or six really, really big products out there. But what we did was instead of selling it like a medical product, like it was, and packaging it like a medical product, we said, this is whitening. This is cosmetic. We made it look like a cosmetic. We went to all the big cosmetic departments at Nordstrom's and Macy's and Saks. We copied the packaging, we copied the marketing, we hired professional models. And when we hit the market, we exploded. So how many other agencies in town are kind of doing what you're doing? Are you guys it?
1: There's not many, I would say. If you're new, a good kind of the lowest barrier of entry would be going after listings that already expired because unless you're someone that was born very well connected, I'm assuming all of your friends aren't calling you right away. Hey, I want to buy a house. So people that already tried to sell is someone that you already know that they're kind of motivated. So I'd say a lot of people try it, but, you know, these people get hounded, they get harassed, they get, they get, um, like berated by people, because as soon as what happens when your house comes off the market after trying to sell for six months, the day the contract contract expires, you're going to be getting 100 calls from every single agent in LA. Hey, your last agent was this and was that. I'm the best agent. You should give me a chance. So it's not even about just picking the niche. But then from there, how do you make yourself different from the other 100 people that are reaching out? And that is just coming down to who wants it more? Who's going to follow up week after week, day after day? Who's going to drop off packages and letters and stop by the house? Not only just call, it's about, we call it kind of blanket marketing, where uh, most agents will hope that they call and someone gets on the phone, they get lucky and they get a listing. We're doing everything. We are calling, showing up to the door, mail, email, trying to talk to the neighbors. Like you kind of have to be very, very aggressive. And I think in, in any industry that you're in, it's all about kind of finding a way and doing whatever it takes for sure.
0: If somebody has a house that's come off the market and you guys get the listing and now you're going to go in and you're going to kind, kind of stage it in this, isn't it a little difficult to get the buyer or the seller to say, okay, well, now you're asking me to put like five to $10,000 into a house that I want to get rid of, right?
1: That is certainly a difficult conversation sometimes. Um, sometimes we do offer to pay for it. It kind of depends on the deal, the size of the deal. And then take it out of the commission or what? Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, everyone is different. It, it's kind of like your business. I mean, you will do what the clients want, right? So ultimately, we're going to do everything we can and try to help as much as we can. But if it's an unrealistic person, it's if it's like a house we think is worth $5 million and they want to sell it for 6 million, we're less likely to then invest that money into staging because if it if it doesn't sell no one makes any money so it's not a good risk but if it's a five million dollar house and we think it's actually worth that we'll spend we'll spend the money because the return it's like it's you have to take necessary risks right so all right
0: so if, if if i have a student out there watching this and they're really thinking like real estate's where i want to go Can you kind of give me a little game plan of like what they should and shouldn't be doing to prepare themselves and eventually just kind of get into that business?
1: Yes, 100%. Um, So my advice, do not go directly, directly into real estate right away because most people, it usually takes six months to a year or longer to get your first check. Um, So I would first try to save up money doing something else in sales where you can get used to kind of talking to people every day, being in front of people, getting rejected, telling people to go away, and I mean- tell, Or be start. an actor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be like an actor, being, being, being an actor is a wonderful, wonderful option for sure. But anything you can do to kind of get used to being in front of people and, and kind of the, the sales mentality of you, you try a hundred times to get a result one time, like acting, right? Right. Um, and then from that point, you need to you need to make sure that you're smart with your money, right? Because the thing about being a real estate agent is you might get a check you know a big check and then not sell another house for six months or a year or however long obviously not you know once you get the the ball rolling but you just don't know so it's about I would say first being good at sales second have some savings then the most important advice I'd give if you want to be a real estate agent is join a team joining a team is similar actually to to this program because joining a team is essentially saying I'm willing to take a smaller cut Make a smaller commission, make a smaller amount of money in exchange for the knowledge and mentorship of someone else who's already successful. Another agent that's already big and they've learned and made all the mistakes and trials and tribulations and are willing to teach you because they'll benefit also if you're bringing them. So what does joining a team actually even
0: mean? Because I'm not familiar with that in real estate.
1: Sure. So um, the way it works is every single deal is there's a broker. The broker is essentially the owner of the company and the person who gets the commission. Then agents under the brokerage get paid out usually. So the thing is a lot of these agents, especially once you get bigger, you have, let's say, 20 listings at a time. You cannot be at 20 open houses. You cannot be at 20 showings. You cannot be at 20 appointments at a time. So you start hiring a team of other commission-based agents where they can learn under you and see kind of how you grew your business while getting to have the full experience of being the agent, right? Because that person can't be there. So you essentially step in as the agent. That's called being on a team. Mm -hmm. And there's like the team leader. So there's the brokerage, the team leader, and then the team member, junior agents. And then other than that, there's a lot of uh, marketing and people like that. So when you're on a team, is
0: that a project by project delineation or it's like,
1: our team shares in everything that any of us are doing kind of thing? Every team is structured differently. Uh, real estate, is, it's kind of like the Wild West. Like everyone, there's kind of no structure. Everyone runs their business differently. Um, but typically how it works is the the agent who's on a team will only get paid for deals that they brought to the table, right? So, so if our team sells 100 listings, maybe I don't get paid on 100 different listings, but everyone that... Um, came to the team based on you know my relationship or some work that I did or effort that I did or a connection that I made then you'll get paid out on that so it's just a it's honestly I would highly 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 recommend it to anyone new especially when you're younger um, someone with a very expensive home it's usually their biggest asset that they've ever had typically you know it's like they've been saving up and it's a very emotional thing for them and they've had this is the most expensive thing that they own and they don't want to just get rid of it. They don't They don't really want to trust someone young sometimes. So when you kind of, if you're 20 or younger and you show up with someone more experienced, now you have a, b- a better shot of actually kind of gaining their trust and making the deal happen. What's your favorite part? This is gonna be odd, but I feel my favorite part is when there's someone that gives you a really, really hard time, and they're not interested at all, and they're like, you're the hundredth person to talk to me today, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, and then you follow up for months and months and months, and they finally call you, they're like, Nick, you're the only one that after eight months is still reaching out to me, you can sell my house. It's just like a very gratifying. It's kind of like when you, anything you do for a long time, right, like school or anything. When, it, when something takes a long time and a lot of effort, it feels good. All right. And what's the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge, I think, for me is learning not to get excited. A lot of people will talk to someone and they'll kind of they'll like spin them in, in a circle and say, yes, I want to do this, or you know, maybe a deal opens escrow, and you're like, start counting your money. Yes, I'm about to make this. And then things always go wrong, and it happens. So if you get excited every single time, you will be crushed daily. Like, you'll be hurting badly. So I think to avoid that, um, just try to kind of stay, stay level-headed. Don't let the ups get you too up. Don't let the downs get you too down.
0: One of the things that we really uh, try to, to get students to be aware of is, you know, how important it is to copy genius. You know, when you see people that are successful doing what you want to do, copy genius, right? And so I listen to tons of podcasts when I'm working at, one of my favorite ones is, is, um, is Guy Raz, who does How I Built This. And his favorite question to end interviews with is, how much of your success do you think is skill
1: and how much do you think is luck? I think that I don't like the word luck to me is kind of it's not a good word. I don't like to I don't like to feel that anyone that has made it or is successful in their industry got lucky. I like to say it's maybe 90% skill. I mean the harder you work, the luckier you the luckier the luckier you get as well. I call it the law of compensation. So the more that you're working and putting in time and sacrificing, someone's randomly gonna call you. Like maybe it's not even one of the people that you were reaching out to, but I feel like the world kind of pays you back when they see that you've been putting in a lot of effort and sacrificing. And about what you just said also the, about the mentorship, I think that there's, there's really there's two types of people. So I, I really want to stress, I think it's really important to know that when you see someone successful, there's, there's kind of two reactions. One is you're a hater. And a hater is actually an acronym, I believe it stands for having anger towards everyone reaching success. And you kind of see that person and you go, they got lucky or they're not even that good i can do that and you get jealous and it kind of what that does is that it makes you feel like the people that did make it it wasn't in their control so therefore it's not in your control right and that's not really a good mentality the other side of the coin and this is something that my uncle and aunt taught me it's when you see someone successful you should be going how did you do that and kind of wanting to talk to them and, and learn the the, the principles and characteristics that they have to become successful because it, it really is having a mentor, it's it's like a, a cheat code. It's the best way to to cut the learning curve. Everything you're saying
0: is what we teach at LEAP. I mean, it's so true. You know, it, it's really funny. I love the Crown Council of Dentists. It's a great learning environment. I get up there and I don't have to feel like I'm bragging. It's like, you guys, this is what I did that worked. This is what I did that made me successful. Just go copy it. Like I'm giving it to you, right? There are other groups in dentistry where if I gave that same lecture, there'd be filled with just like these haters that like, and so early on in my career, I stopped speaking to those groups because I'll never forget. I won't I, 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 there was a very prestigious university that called me up and said, we would like you to come be the keynote speaker. I'm like, wow. And so my first question is, okay, what's my honorarium? They said, well, zero, we don't pay. I'm like, okay. And you better be really good. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're going to be really critical. So like, just be prepared to be grilled. And I said, no, thank you. He goes, what do you mean? I said, no, thank you. He goes, well, you don't want to come? I'm like, well, first of all, you're not going to pay me. Then you're going to like grill me? I'm like, I don't need this. He goes, do you know how prestigious it is to be asked to come here? I'm like, I don't care. I don't need it. And they were like, you're, do you know you're the only doctor that's ever said no to us? I'm like, honestly, I, that's not an environment I want to be in, you know? And I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, literally, you guys, if you see people that are super successful at what they're doing, copy them. When I opened my dental office in Beverly Hills, Century City, where we're sitting right now, the last thing they needed was another cosmetic dentist. So what I did is I found the five most successful cosmetic dentists in the Beverly Hills, Century City area, and I shadowed them each for like a week. And I realized this was really good, this isn't good. And all the stuff that was really good, I did. And within a year or two, I had more patients than all of them, because I copied genius. Yep, right? Yeah, that's the secret. All right, last thing. What's next?
1: What's next? Just trying to get bigger, kind of raise the level of the deals that we've done. So, um, like you know, last year the biggest sale that I did was 4.7 million, and right now, even actually today, after this uh, interview. I have uh, two listing appointments. One is for a $7 million house, one is for $8 million house. So it's kind of just leveling up and then eventually starting my own team and having people kind of beneath me I think would be fun. But I do want to stress one last thing about the, uh, the mentorship. I think a lot of people are scared because they feel that, you know, a mentor wouldn't – why would someone just tell me the secrets? Why would they give me their information and have me be better than them? And I think the reason for that is once you reach a certain level of success – um, financially, or whatever it is, people don't really care about money anymore; they care about being significant and kind of giving back and helping so once someone has already made it, you know like yourself, for example, you don 't want want to hide all your secrets, and i don't want other dentists to be good. I want to be the only good dentist like you want to give back, you want to help people. It feels good to know that you 've acquired all this information now that you can share it and help other people right so you mentors know, want you to reach out you are so wise beyond your years it's true I mean. I'm
0: probably the most in-demand dentist to come speak at dental schools because I've had such an eclectic career in dentistry. You know, from being a dentist to being on two primetime TV shows to being a New York Times bestselling author to growing a company from zero to $1.3 billion. There aren't any other dentists that have done that. And the first thing I tell every Like I I sit there and I look at all these bright, shiny, young faces of dentists, and I say to them quite earnestly, I said, look, I'm not here to brag or boast. I'm here to tell you what I did so you can copy it and do it better. And I wish for all of them all the joy and success that I've had in dentistry because dentistry to me has far exceeded every expectation I ever had for this profession. And if I can turn them on to that, you're right. I mean, giving back is the best part. The best. For yeah. Sure it feels good. Thank you, Nick, so Thank much. Thank you so much. All right, Dr. Bill, over and out. To learn more about The Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Foundation, on Instagram at leapfoundation, and on Twitter at leaplosangeles. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you
1: listen to your favorite podcasts.